But the beauty of it is, and I think that's why a lot of people like it, is they actually don't need to do anything. The, the vibrations are doing all the work for you. So, yeah, just lying there, taking a few deep breaths in and giving yourself permission yeah. to relax and making that intention or setting that intention to do that is, is powerful in itself. I'm Sarah Tobin, and welcome to the Tapping Into podcast, the place to explore a whole host of different natural, alternative and spiritual ways to change your life. My goal is to support you on your healing journey, whether you're planning to become a mother or already have children. Motherhood can often leave us feeling like we don't know who we are anymore. And this is the space to explore how rock bottoms and different modalities can often lead to the greatest joys. So get ready to come on a journey with me and enjoy. Thanks so much for everyone who's been listening to season three of the Tapping Into podcast. The feedback has been so wonderful and I really, really appreciate it. In today's episode, I chat to Emma West about sound as a healing modality. She is a sound therapy practitioner who has a passion for using sound as a way to release, heal and transform. She's based in Dublin, but will travel anywhere to play her instruments She has always had a strong connection to music and has worked in radio and as a club DJ in the past too. Sound has the ability to positively affect our whole being and Emma's aim is to bring sound and its healing vibrations to you in a more holistic way through her one-to-one sessions and group sound baths. I met Emma a few years ago and I ran a competition to win a free session with me and she won. And at that time, she just had one bowl And now she's into the hundreds. I also invited Emma to host a sound bath at the day retreat I ran last Christmas and it was absolutely magical. In today's episode, we chat about her journey to sound therapy, from her connection to music as a child, having a baby quite young and doing a proper job that drained her soul and how she figured out her way back to doing something that she loved. She talks also about the barrier to stepping into her authentic self in the sound space and how she overcame that. Emma explains how sound works as a healing tool. It's just a vibration that relaxes the mind and the body down to a cellular level, helping to reduce stress and anxiety, aiding relaxation, releasing trauma deep within the body. I recommend following Emma and if you can get to her sound bath or investigate a one-to-one, she can even do these online. Find her on Instagram, emmawest.ie. I really hope you enjoy this chat and afterwards go book yourself in to a local sound bath. Thank you, Emma, for coming onto the podcast today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Hello. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. Oh, do you know, it's been quite a while that we first connected, wasn't it? it do you think it was 2018 or 19? I think it was 19, actually. And I was running a competition to give away a free session with me and you won and we had an amazing chat and a lovely session. And at that time, did you just have one bowl? Had you just gotten one bowl? Yeah. So I had got one bowl about four years before that. Right. And I bought it in a shop in Dublin and I remember just saying, God, I'd love to do this, you know, but I just didn't have the time. Three kids working, all that sort of stuff. Just didn't have the time to give it but I really connected with that bowl and I knew what it could do for me whenever you know quiet my mind and stuff so yeah I had that one bowl when when we spoke wow. and 
I've just been collecting ever since. And how many pieces have you got now? How many instruments oh, have God. you got? I don't want to count. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot. It's taken over my house now at this stage. I'd say I have maybe eight crystal bowls. I have wow. a lot of Tibetan bowls. I've two gongs now. As you can imagine, they're all up in the sitting room at the moment. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, goal for this year is to find a space, really, to put them all. But, yeah, it's been two years of just allowing myself to get back into what I loved, really, as a child and music and stuff like that. I was always into it, but it's just so nice to be back. It's like I've come full circle, you know. Back into what you were meant to be doing. Yeah, definitely. My dad worked in radio when I was younger and I was always kind of brought up with his turntables in my room and I remember like they'd be there and he had like a whole collection of records and I picked like three or four records out of a whole collection. And when I look back, like they were the most random ones and I used to listen to them on repeat, you know. So there was Michael Jackson Thriller. What else? Grease, the soundtrack, random. Bross, When Will I Be Famous was another <laughs> big one. And then the best one of all, Gloria Estefan. <laughs> You know, a six or seven year old just playing these records. But uh, yeah, never really looked at anything else he had. Just those four were my favourites. And did you like to sing when you were younger? I did. Yeah. When I was in primary school, I would have been in the choir and stuff. When I got into secondary school, then again, would have just been kind of glued to the music room. It was just where I found my comfort. Yeah. Um, I just kind of felt at home and it just was a nice place to be for me. Everything else was kind of effort. But when I was around, that sort of stuff, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's like the, your energy changed in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It's like it just took me away from everything. Yeah. Never went down the traditional route of playing instruments. I did attempt keyboard, attempted guitar. I still have a guitar sitting here. I don't know if you can see it behind me. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. bought it years ago and I've just never been able to get into it. My brother's a brilliant guitar player. But sure, it's called the ornament now in the room. <laughs> like, when are you going to dust that ornament? <laughs> I refuse to get rid of it. It will It will definitely, definitely be played at some stage, yeah. Well, maybe your calling to music was in the way that you have pursued it rather than in a traditional way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And then where did you go after school? Because, you know, you obviously had a, a career outside of sound and music. I had my first child really young, so I had him when I was 17. I think I just actually finished school maybe a few months after that. So my ideas of what I really wanted to do totally changed. Mm. So I was working in a shop um, for a good few years. And then I think when I was about 21, I decided I wanted to go and study radio. So kind of follow in my dad's footsteps, because when I was younger in school, I used to go up. He lived in Belfast. And I used to go up and help him do a lot of work experience in radio and stuff. Now, I was kind of just making the tea or, you know, whatever. I think he was just trying to get me out of trouble. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> so just come on up for the weekends. So I used to do that. And then, yeah, so I went and studied radio for a couple of years. And then I kind of dabbled in a bit of that. But somewhere along the way, I convinced myself because I had Jack, who's 18 now, that I needed, in inverted commas, proper job. and I. I fell into a job. I loved where I worked, but it just wasn't serving me. And I did that for 10 years. Like I worked in accounts. Wow. 
but I worked in the company that I was DJing for at the start. So it was so weird. Like I went in as a DJ and then came out from doing their accounts. You know, I was like, how did that happen 10 years wow. out? But yeah, it was just always in that environment of music. And like I said, convinced myself I needed a proper job, as they say. Mm-hmm. I just was lost, I think, for a while. I wasn't really doing anything that I loved. And a couple of years ago, I just said, you need to get back in to do what you love, Emma. Like, I wasn't being creative and I just found that's what I love to do is just to create. And that's when I met you. I think it was when I had made the decision that, no, I'm doing this. A lot of mums that are listening may connect with the kind of feeling of being lost and not knowing who they really are anymore. I certainly work with a lot of women and and they, they talk to me about that. How did you get to the place where you recognised you needed to start doing something that you loved? Because that's also can take people a while, you know, to mm-hmm. really have the penny drop and say, no, I can't do this anymore. I have to do something else. Yeah, it did take me a while now, I have to say. It was a couple of years maybe of just saying there has to be more. There just has to be more. Again, as I said, I loved the people that I worked with. They were great. They were very supportive. But it was just the actual job yeah. was just draining my soul to be quite honest and I remember one day just taking out a piece of paper and spending like throughout the day just writing little things down that I loved to do and that could have been maybe connecting with nature and I still remember circling them and everything in like little clouds connecting with nature listening to music you know and as the page grew I just said okay well maybe just spend one little thing each day you know maybe doing a bit of colouring or something. I don't know. It was just anything that was coming to my mind. And it just grew from there. It didn't happen overnight. Like it was a few months of doing those little things. And then eventually over time, it just said, you need to get back into music. That's where you're being drawn. And that's where I found if I was doing anything, I nearly had to be pulled away from it, you know? So with the kids and everything, I'd be like, okay, just just one more minute, just one more minute. So it just was a real eye opener for me that, this is what you need to be doing and but that's incredible that you got to that space without a coach or somebody kind of guiding you you kind of naturally realize something had to change and then that that exercise is so powerful isn't it and I know that Rebecca Campbell talks a lot about following what lights you up and you did that you did that exercise for yourself and it has led you step by step to where you are now Yeah, yeah. And now I did get a coach for a couple of sessions, but it was more, I knew what I wanted to do and I needed somebody to take me by the hand to push me over the cliff to do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So once I got past that, I was like, okay, I'm doing it now. And what was the barrier? What, What came up with the coaching? What was holding you back from doing it? I think it was fear of being judged. It was totally different than what I had done in a long time. So I suppose maybe, you know, you know, the, the things that go around your head of maybe the people saying, oh, what is she doing that now for? Or I think I would always talk myself out of it as well. I'd have all these ideas and then I'd eventually be like, oh, no, 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 not now. Maybe maybe in a couple of months. So, yeah, fear was holding. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was the best thing I ever did to just get those couple of sessions and just be. And how did you work through that fear? How did you see the light at the end of the tunnel you know and jump off that cliff what was that process like I think the feeling of when I was working with the sounds and working with the music I just felt like I was at home and I just had to keep 
holding on to that. So anytime I feel fear, even when I'm doing events, I nearly feel like the sounds around me are like little friends. They're there beside me. So I never really feel alone. I don't know if that sounds weird, but yeah, that kind of keeps me going. You're a team. You're surrounded with them now. (laughs) That's it. They're always beside me. The man was with me today in the shooty box. So you you got that one bowl and then we we'd had a session. How did you then you then you then decided okay this is it I'm going to start collecting I'm going to start playing. How did you then start to literally physically get people in a room and play for them? I played to a lot of friends first. So I invited them along. I had a good few friends now that would come for sessions and allow me to explore and to practice on them. So that was brilliant. Amazing. And then I started doing the Zoom, the online Zoom ones because it was around COVID, so we weren't really able to do events back then. Yeah. So again, I had friends that came along, and it was just a great space for me to practice, to test out what works and what doesn't work. You know, we're always learning. Like, yeah, of course. Had you a vision? Like, had you seen other people globally maybe doing sand baths, and you were like, okay, that's it, I can see that now, and, and that's what you want to work towards? Yeah, there's a great lady over in New York, Sarah Oster, And for me, when I saw her, her vibe was very minimal. And I just loved the way she was presenting herself and the way she, she, I just loved the way she did things. So for her, when I saw her, she definitely inspired me to go, yes, somebody is doing it the way that I want to do it. And that's great because I think once you see it, you you know, it's possible, really. You can visualize it, you can manifest it quicker, can't you? Yeah, when you see that. And so... Did you just then make a plan to, did you have certain things you wanted to buy to build up your collection or was that like much more organic than that? The never ending list, (laughs) (laughs) which gets bigger. It doesn't get smaller at all. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So when I started my training, you'd obviously have the main ones that you'd need. So in order to do one-to-one sessions, you'd have to have practitioner bowls, you know, a rattle, a koshi chime, that sort of thing. So I worked on those ones first to do the one-to-one sessions you'd have like a handheld gong you didn't need the big gong for oh, yeah, yeah. sessions you know so I did those ones first and then I moved on to get the crystal bowls because they would be a bit more advanced and then once you buy one you say oh well I'll get another one and then oh I'll get another one and yeah it just kind of goes from there I'm kind of at the stage now where yes I'd love more instruments but they're taking me longer to get because the ones that I'm getting are more they're bigger and more expensive so there's a bigger yeah time frame now between me buying different instruments you know but it's exciting like and I don't think I'll ever stop collecting that's the thing I don't know if I'll ever make money out of this you know (laughs) I'll just be like in a room full of instruments I was thinking that literally all the money you get must just go straight back into equipment yeah Yeah, it does (laughs) yeah and it's funny last year I said okay this year I'll stop and now this year I'm saying okay next year I'll stop (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll need somebody to just put like a block on the account. I'm like, don't buy any more now. <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about sound itself. Mm. So for somebody who I think a couple of years ago, sound baths were very unheard of. And that has definitely changed. And I'm sure you, you've you connected with that. There's been an awareness of of sound healing in general. So talk to me about kind of what you've learned about sound and the journey you've been on with discovering how it heals. Yeah, we spoke about this before, even before I go into sound. Remember we were saying about my my pain brought me here. And I think for me anyway, I was actually using sound as a way to heal. 
before I even knew that it was a thing, you know, before I knew it was a modality. Throughout the years, it just brought me into a, a place of peace. I was able to, through music and stuff, I was able to just escape and just, I don't know, I always had this connection to it as well. I remember, and I know we're going a bit back, my friend, when I was studying music in for my leaving cert and my friend would come over and I'd be playing classical music like as a 15 16 year old playing classical music and I used to say just listen to it like it you just got me in the heart and it just calmed me down but when we go back to um sound as a modality like it's sound and vibration it's an amazing way to relax the mind and body so we're not just listening to it through our ears we're actually experiencing it deep down onto a cellular level so the vibration, like everything is in a state of vibration and, you know, depending on what you're vibrating at and your your body and your frequencies, you're going to receive the sound differently. So sound baths, I find for people now, they're coming along, they really want to just have a space that they can relax. Maybe they're looking to just reduce their stress and anxiety. And there is definitely an element of it being... I suppose if they see the instruments, it's visual. But, you know, if they get there, a lot of people who are coming to the sound baths have never done one before. And I love that. I love seeing people come and seeing the transformation or the, you know, how do I, I, I remember my first time going to a sound bath and I was like, yes, this is it. This is it. It was just magical. And to see that on some people's faces, like everybody is going to experience it differently. There's not one way. You can't just get a group of people coming in going, you're going to feel amazing coming out. Not everybody's going to feel amazing coming out, depending on what's going on for them. They can have huge releases. Some people cry. It causes amazing shifts in people. So depending on where you are, that's the effect it's going to have on your body. I'm going to tell you a story about when I had my first sound bath. It was after we had lost our daughter, Alice. So seven or so years ago, I was still within like the three or four month mark post her death. And a local Reiki friend of mine, Louise, invited me along and I was like, OK, yeah, sure, you know, try something. And oh, my God, like I just bawled crying the whole time. It was obviously I was in a heightened state of raw grief. I hadn't done any therapy yet or anything, you know, it was still very raw. But maybe that looking back, maybe that did help then what came next, you know, maybe it released something like that top of the pressure valve so that I could then go forward into something else like I've no idea but it was definitely part of my journey Mm. and I really didn't expect to lie there and have the tears and the heartache pain that I had but I suppose like everything for me is just better out than in isn't it this kind of energy whatever we're holding inside is so much better out and if a vibration of sound can help us release something then god yeah I mean why wouldn't you do that (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I have had people, I'll always say at the start, and I have had people kind of look at me and go, yeah, I'm not going to cry. Because I'll always say, you know, it's going to affect you differently. And then the tissues are being passed around, you know, can I just have that tissue there? (laughs) It, It is amazing. It's so transformational. And it just brings you into that state of relaxation for your for your own self healing to occur. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. It's a very safe space that you create. And we we have had that together. We've had that experience together at our retreat at Christmas, just gone in Ireland. And it was amazing. 
I just personally am fascinated with the instruments and the sounds that you can create because I was literally taken to a rainforest and there was fairies and I was just allowing my mind to go wild with kind of visualization and everyone had a fantastic, you know, really beautiful experience. But for somebody lying there that's new to this, like, is it something they should do? Do they just literally try and receive? Because I know that's also hard is to just try and receive the the, the energy. Or should you go on a journey in your mind or, or what what should you do? The first thing I'll say is you don't really need to do anything only lie there and that's the beauty of it all just come along with your yoga mat and a blanket and some people bring an eye mask we do you know some meditation at the start and I'll always say try to allow yourself to receive the sounds and that is huge you know if you're going to kind of lie there and tense you're kind of fighting it as well yeah but the beauty of it is, and I think that's why a lot of people like it, is they actually don't need to do anything. The, the vibrations are doing all the work for you. So, yeah, just lying there, taking a few deep breaths in and giving yourself permission yeah. to relax and making that intention or setting that intention to do that is is powerful in itself, you know. And I always love to try and bring people on a journey with the sounds. The crystal bowls are great. You can use those with intervals as well. So. You'll bring in harmonics and then you might bring in more of a dissonant sound with the crystal bowls. And, you know, you'll relax people with the harmonics and then you'll bring in the dissonant sound to really kind of shift some energy. And then you'll bring it back into harmony again to be like, ah, OK. Okay. Okay. So there is a pattern in it. Yeah. Uh, but I find myself, I go on a journey with the people. So I don't really have a set way that I play. Like I don't have a structure. I might start off with a, a Tibetan bowl just to ground people and get them into the zone. But then I just kind of go with whatever comes to mind. And again, I get loads of visuals too. Oh, do you? Mm. So you just intuitively go to what what is drawing you next. Yeah. And that's why I love it, because it, it really leads into my creativity. Amazing. So, yeah, yeah. So no two sound baths would be the same? No, no. I love that. And then... What happens in a one-to-one or a one-to-two session? I know you do a couple's one as well. What happens in a one-to-one setting with with you? So the one-to-one settings are, I'll actually place the bowls. So I have practitioner bowls. So I will place them on the physical body as, as well as around the body. So that's really powerful. So you can come to me for a particular thing that you wish to release or a particular area that you want to work on. And, you know, we'll have a little chat at the start then I might use my rattle, the shamanic rattle to, you know, cleanse the aura and place the bowls on the body, as I said, and the vibrations. So sound is, water is a great conductor for sound. And if you think of your body, that's made up of 70% water. So when those vibrations are actually being played, it's really like so powerful, like it's really shifting through anything on your body. As I said, water is, is a great conductor for sound. And the other thing, I saw something on YouTube there last week, actually, with the gong baths and the sound baths. They did a scientific thing where they took somebody's blood before listening to 20 minutes of sound. And this was in person now. And then they tested the blood after. And after the blood was all hydrated, the cells were moving freely. And it was just amazing to watch, actually. But more interestingly, the people, they did another one, which was online. 
So for people com- coming to online and they actually listen to it for through their headphones, they got very similar effects as well. So, yeah, back to the one to ones, you place the bowls on the body and we'll work through different chakras. We'll, you know, might do a bit of breathing and then I'll use the gong and I'll kind of go into like a little mini sound bath after. But really, you're working on the body and you know, the back and the front, the different chakra parts, that sort of thing. So talk to me more about the chakras a little bit. So for people that maybe aren't fully aware of our energy centers and how they store or collect a lot of denser energies. Hmm. So if you think about our seven chakras in our body, all the way down from from the top of our head, all the way down to the base of our spine, um, They're, like I said, some energy centers in our body, and sometimes they can become stagnant and a little bit lower in vibration. So when we use the bowls, what we're trying to do is we're trying to nearly force the frequency to rise up with the bowls. So it's all about resonance and it works through brain entrainment as well. So if you think about your, let's say a good example is you're walking along with with your friend and your footsteps start to match up with each other. So that's technically what we're trying to do with the bowls. We're really uh, sending the vibration deep down into the cells, and the cells are actually matching up with the vibration of the bowl. Wow. I never knew that that's what that did. Wow. So powerful. And, you know, a lot of us are aware that the more we raise our frequency or our Mm -hmm. vibration, the more joy we're going to experience in life, the more we'll attract uh, a similar kind of energy so I suppose from manifestation sound is, is a really very positive gentle modality to do and would you recommend doing it regularly for people so say say someone's had a big trauma and you know they haven't really started anything to mentally process the trauma yet would sound be a really good place to start to help with the the physical aspect of that trauma Yeah, so sound and vibration is great for bringing clarity into people's lives. I actually had somebody who's come to a few of my sound baths and she was going through something in her life. And she said it was one that I did on the beach, actually, um, in the summertime. And she said, whatever happened, she just got this moment of clarity. It was to do with her job. And she said, oh, my God, I know what I need to do now. So anybody who is looking for a bit of clarity, it's obviously brilliant for that. To do with trauma, yeah, of course, it definitely works for that. You'd have to be very careful and maybe not go all guns blazing in with all the vibrations, <laughs> you know. So you'd bring yeah. the person on a, on a journey. You'd kind of know where they are in their their healing and you just reflect that back with the sounds and the vibrations and maybe speaking a little bit as well. I would often bring in my voice as well into treatments and healings because So often people forget that our voice is the most powerful healing tool that we have and we carry it around with us all the time. Yeah. And, you know, towards the end of any of my my sound baths or online events or anything like that, I'll always bring the voice in and I'll ask people to do like a little hum at the end. And so often people tell me that that was their favorite part. You know, I never say it at the start for anybody new because I find that they get they might get a little bit like, oh my God, I'm going to have to. Yeah. And they'll focus on what they have to do at the end. But I just kind of surprise them at the end. But yeah, the voice is amazing as well. The vibrations from that, like our expression and using our intention along with the tone. And it's not about singing. That's another thing I'd say. It's nothing to do with singing. It's just Mm -hmm. about making a tone. And 
maybe setting an intention of where you want that vibration in your body to go. Wow. I really don't think we understand that enough, do we, in society? Mm. Like, sound has been used as a healing for thousands of years, right? What is the journey of sound, if you're aware, as to how it started and how it's now come back into a full-blown modality that people are aware of? Yeah, like, it's not anything new. It's been around forever. It is creation. You know, it's how we communicate. It's everything. It's the first thing we hear in our womb is the beat of our mother's heart. And it's just been used forever since the beginning of time, since tribes have been together. It's how they use it in their their rituals. You know, the shamanic drums, the Aborigines would have used the didgeridoo, like the rattles, you know, when you give a baby a rattle, like it is everything, you know. So I suppose this, the way that it's coming about now, when people say it's new, like it isn't really new, but it's just another way for people to connect and heal themselves and relax. Do you think that there's also a community that you are creating with the sound and the sound baths? And they're obviously having a very deep personal experience in a, in a group setting, but then there's a lightness and a, is there a sharing and a connection for, for the people there? Yeah, often I find people, if they come alone, they'll always chat to the person beside them and then they might, you know, have that little connection together. So many people come alone. It's not just like, oh, I'm coming with my friend or, you know, people sometimes want to come on their own as well (laughs) and to meet other people. And it's really lovely when I can see people I know who have come on their own and they're sparking up conversations and then they're, you know, swapping Instagram or swapping phone numbers and stuff. And I've seen so many friends be created. And that means so much to me because I love that. I love trying to create a sense of community. I love I love just people and I, I just love seeing people getting along. So that's that's huge for me. Like I absolutely love that. Yeah, it's amazing. And like what do you think attracts people to sound? You know, from the people that come to your to your sound baths or come for one to one, what attracts them um to the sound? I think there's an element of it being new. And it's something new to try. And then there is a certain element of of it as well, of looking at the gongs and thinking, oh, my God, they look amazing. Even if people don't understand how powerful they are, once they come along and then I explain to them, like the gongs are just, they are the instrument that will just get you into that zone the quickest. So I always find that people who think they won't relax like, you know, they might be tense when they start and then I can just see them drop after about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I always say, I take snoring as a sign of a compliment, (laughs) you know, and you can hear maybe one or two little like, (laughs) but yeah, what attracts people to sound? Do you think just something that's coming to my mind is that because they don't have to be consciously involved, it's like a very easy healing process. As in, yeah, stuff might come up, but it's usually coming up and coming out, isn't it? It's not going to get stuck and stay there forever. So perhaps it's just like, oh, it's just an easy way to move through something. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that they don't have to participate in the, you know, in the normal sense if they don't want to. Mm. They can just come along, lie down on their mat. And I have seen people do that. You know, there might be 10 or 15 minutes when people come in. And there's just some somebody just lying there ready to go. That's what they want. They just want to come, t- 
talk to nobody, find the corner, really just relax, release anything that isn't serving them and then go back to their to their day. Yeah. Do people come back like regularly? Do you have how often should somebody do a sound bath? Yeah, I have people that come regularly. If they're trying to work through something, maybe themselves, they, they'll come. On, and then if they want to do something particular, they might come for a one-to-one session. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I've, I've, I have a good group now of people who come every month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's lovely. And I'm thinking of maybe doing in the future, you know, something that's a bit more, that will allow those people that want to step up a little bit more and do maybe a bit of participation in a smaller group. So I'm trying to create a couple of things this year for that as well. Some kind of workshops or something. Yeah, yeah. I feel that some people are who have come for a few of them, they want to kind of maybe get into it or maybe buy their own bowl and they don't know where to start. Or, you know, everybody loves the Koshi chimes and just, you know, and the ocean drum. Oh, my God. Without fail, the ocean drum. Every single time I do one, there'll always be somebody that will say, what was that sound that? uh," And I was like, the ocean, isn't it? And they're like, yeah. I could nearly do a whole sound bath with just that, you know. (laughs) Incredible. Do you know, you could record and sell some of your things so people could just download, you know, like, I don't know, a a cheap version or something, you know, five pounds of something, and you could just have 20 minutes of that. Yeah, yeah. I have actually been messing around with a couple of things only during the week there. So it's just trying to find the time, you know, trying. There's so many things I want to do, but it's just trying to find the time to do it all. And I have like you say, the never-ending instrument list and then the never-ending list of things I want to create, like workshops and yeah, and, and things like that. It's just getting through it every every time, yeah. I know, I have the same kind of, sometimes you get this, oh God, it's like this impatience and this drive and this pressure, like self-enforced pressure to create, 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 get something out, get something out. And it's like, I ended up having a chat with um, my angel lady, Anna, and she was like, Stop putting yourself under this pressure. You're the one driving the timeline. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't have to do it on that day. I don't have to get something out by that day. And then I was just like, oh, just take take the pressure off. It's so much easier when you do that. But I, I, I completely resonate with that kind of urgency. Hmm. It's, it's hard to let go of. Yeah. So you talked there about the workshop of people trying. This is a fantastic idea. So good because I think people could be feel intimidated or shy and afraid they might break something or whatever. What was the training process? Like, how do you learn about sound in this way? Yeah, so I did mine back in 2019 and it was over three modules to get the diploma. So you have your sound healing level one, which is more to do with, you know, having your own bowl, maybe creating your own practice, that sort of thing. And a very basic one to one session that you could do with your friends And then the level two is introduce more instruments. You might introduce different ways to use them, intervals with the crystal balls, that sort of thing. And then you have your level three, which is like your holding events, your gong bats, your sound bats, that sort of thing. And actually at the moment, nearly finished my voice healing as well. So I'm I'm about to finish my diploma for voice healing. So I'll be sending that out as well and introducing that. So I only really do a little bit of kind of humming and that in the sound baths. But I would love to create more of a voice side of it as well, where people want to come and sing mantras and chanting. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I did a Rebecca Campbell workshop November 2019 Mm -hmm. and 
she introduced the chanting. I think she has the little, the, what's the box behind you there? The Shruti box. Yeah. Yeah. She had that as well and she was getting everybody to chant. I was like, oh my God, because I, I hate singing because of my perception of my voice. But I really connected with that. So I would definitely be up for doing that in a safe space where you didn't feel, you know, vulnerable or judged. But, you know, I totally get that because I didn't sing for eight years, I'd say, a long time. So, like I said, when I was in school, I would have sang loads. Yeah. I had no fear and it was my thing. Now, I was never like going to be an X Factor, but I don't know. Like I said, I felt so at home at singing and I had no problem getting up and singing and over the years, I I don't know if I developed this story that I just couldn't sing anymore. And I didn't do it for so long. But I think that was because I wasn't doing the music. Remember I was saying I was working in a place that was, wasn't serving me. Yeah. And it just kind of everything that I love to do just kind of went, you yeah. know. And so I totally get that. Like I've had to push through so many mm. self-limiting beliefs to even do that again. So I... 100% understand that everybody or most people are going to come along and feel so nervous about singing, you know, yeah. or making a tone. Yeah. But I'll always say to people, it's, there's no judgment in these circles. Like there's, it's all just about you connecting in. And if you ever feel nervous, I remember hearing this before, if you ever feel nervous about singing, sing a bit louder, because, <laughs> you know, just push yourself to sing a bit louder. But yeah, I totally get the the fear of yeah. expression and yeah it's something I push through all the time I think if we if we push through it there is such reward on the other side isn't there there's kind of there's a release through our own voice box through our own throat chakra mm-hmm. yeah I, I felt very different after doing that that chanting and it took me by surprise I didn't I'd never really connected with it before and I haven't really done it since yeah probably just not enough time not something I don't I actually don't know where to start to be honest so I think that's a great idea where if you did workshops or had sessions where you where you actually taught people what to do that would be incredible yeah just just for themselves really you know not for people who want to go on and do the the diploma or anything but just I do all often get questions of I don't know what ball to buy I want to get this and I want to get that so just like a basic one where people can just come along and test out whatever they they like they like this is a personal question because I'm genuinely interested because I'm not I don't connect with the Tibetan bowls as much as I do the crystal bowls and and I certainly have felt a visceral sometimes anger against the gong (laughs) why is that or or, and what is the difference between say the crystal and the Tibetan bowls so the Tibetan bowls are they have kind of like more overtones and, and stuff like that whereas the crystal bowls is more of a singular tone they say that they are tuned to the chakras they have like different notes the crystal bowls are have the added benefit of being made from crystal quartz so it's sending out that healing as well whereas the tibetan bowls um made from different kind of metals so they'd be made like from iron tin copper gold silver there's generally seven different metals and then other bowls would have 12 metals the, the practitioner bowls would have 12 different metals in them wow so the crystal bowls you can get I only have the the quartz ones you know the white ones but I yeah. love it's on the wish list to get you know the rose quartz ones and the yeah different. so they're sending out the healing uh, vibrations as well of crystal so maybe you're just connecting more 
with the crystals as well. Yeah. The gong for me, I adored the gong, but I totally understand that so many people get a bit like it's very powerful and it brings you into that state of consciousness as well. And it can bring up a lot of emotions and it can really bring you into that. I don't know when I when I play the gong and I listen to it, I feel like I'm in space. It's like dark and I'm nowhere, but I'm everywhere. Yeah, it's the only way I can describe the gong. Amazing. I think it was maybe that first experience of a sand bath where there was the gong and I did have that very physical, emotional reaction. And I think maybe I'm now afraid of the gong because is it going to rise that within me? But obviously, yeah, it's extremely powerful. Mm. I know that I've seen pictures of your kids getting involved in the sound. Talk to me about how you how you use it with them and, how, and what do they think about it all? So I've got three children. Uh, one has grown up now, he's 18. And then I have two younger children, Holly, who is eight, and Alex, who is six. And Holly is so connected to the sounds and so is Alex but I suppose Alex is the little brother you know so Mm. he's Holly's probably like no you're not allowed to play with this and he's just going along with it but um Holly just loves playing with it and she's very gentle and delicate where but Alex is really good at playing the gong I have seen him play it sometimes and he's really good at you know keeping the tone going and they're very respectful of them as well I, I will tell them like these are not toys yeah I've only ever broke one crystal bowl and I can't even blame the kids because it was me that broke it. So they've been really good. They love to get up on the plinth and I'll play some sounds for them. I also practice Reiki as well. So I'll always incorporate that into my sessions as well. But they just love, I suppose, the monochord as well. You know, the one with the strings. I've often come down and and they're just playing them or the tongue drum. They love that as well. They're just so responsive to it. I think kids in general are great, you know, for anybody who wants to pick up a couple of instruments for the kids that aren't too powerful, because you have to remember they're they're vibrational sounds and they're sacred sounds and they can be too strong for for children. Like just a little bowl or an ocean drum would. Kids just love it. They will spend hours playing with the ocean drum, the Koshi chimes as well, as I said. But yeah, my kids just love it. But sure, they're surrounded with them anyway. I know, yeah. Do you feel that it helps them with their own energy, their anxieties and things? Would they would they go to it when they need it kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Often I'd be upstairs and I would just hear them. And I kind of know by their mood. I'm like, oh, she needs to play with this or she just needs 10 minutes out to just zone out and really just connect with the sounds. And they find it very calming. Yeah, they definitely do. I never would never say like don't play with them because they're quite good with them anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, amazing. But sometimes some kids might come in and you know they'd have the gong mallet in their hand and they'd be ready to whack the thing and I'm like, no, no, just just little taps, little taps, you know. Oh God! <laughs> probably send themselves going crazy. <laughs> Your anxiety must go through the roof when that happens. Crikey! So you said you get asked the question a lot. Where would where do people start with their own? own practice or, or buying a bowl what, what would you recommend they do something entry level not too expensive yeah you can get like bowls from anything as 60 euro for a kind of decent enough bowl that you're just going to hold in your hand you can just you know tap it with the, the little mallet that comes with it yeah. and really just bring it around your aura so just setting the intention that you're cleansing your aura as part of your meditation do you know what's really interesting though you don't 
if you don't have a bowl, you can still connect to sound now. You can still go outside and give yourself five minutes and tune into the sounds around you, you know, and taking deep breaths in and connecting to that. And that's what I always say to people as well. I love doing that. So even without my instruments, I'll walk along and I'll just really tune into maybe the sounds of the birds and just allow that to bring you into the present moment. But if you did want to pick up anything, I'd suggest maybe a bowl, maybe an ocean drum, like I said, a koshi chime. I think what else? Koshi chime. What's the koshi chime sound like? They're the, you know, the the wooden things that I hold up. I have four of them and they're, they're um, for different elements. So there's like air, air, fire, earth and water. Yeah, water and earth are my favourite. Water for me is very kind of mystical. And then I find earth is like really, when they say grounding, but it's kind of a finishing tone. You know, when you, you know, when you hear the end of a song and you're like, ah, you know, the song's finished. Yeah. That's what I find earth is for me anyway. And so for all the lucky Irish people who could come to your sessions, what, what, how often do you run them? How would they come to you one-to-one? What's your schedule? And where do you do them? Where do you do them? Oh, I do them anywhere. (laughs) I'll go anywhere. I usually do one once a month in Dublin 15, which is around the corner from me. And I hold one monthly there on a Sunday. I actually do two sessions. And then I I have a couple of places around Dublin that I'll I'll get into as well, or else I might collaborate with different yoga teachers. The best thing to do is just to go onto my um, Instagram page, which is just mos.ie. I'm currently, at the moment, halfway through my website. So I have somebody doing it for me. So I'm hoping that will be by the end of March that I'll, I'll have all of that. But for the moment, it's just my Instagram page. Okay. And my one-to-one sessions, I do at my home. So yeah, currently looking for a space. <laughs> trying to manifest it but at the moment it's in my home and so people could just dm you and ask you for availability that kind of thing yeah 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 yeah. amazing i literally want to get on a plane right now and fly over to come lie on your plinth and have reiki and a sound bath yeah amazing i was only thinking like imagine i could come over to you but how would i bring everything i know i wanted you to come to my retreat in september but you couldn't even travel with those well I can barely fit anything else into my car. I'm at my <laughs> limit now. And my friends are joking, going, Emmy, you need to actually get a van now. Stop yeah. buying so many instruments because you can't bring them around with you anymore. Like I bought this big 50 centimetre Tibetan bowl that you stand in. So you stand um, in it. Yeah, you stand in it. And it's fab. I used it um, a couple oh of weeks gosh. ago at one. And it actually was quite emotional. So people were coming up and standing in the bowl and, you know, placing their hand over their heart space and setting an intention. And I could just feel the energy from people I actually got quite emotional you know because they were obviously like taking that moment for themselves and I'll just play the bowl and they can really feel the vibrations going up their body it's a gorgeous moment and it's yeah I absolutely am so glad that I purchased that instrument because I think it's going to be magic for some people and yeah so I can't buy any more for the moment until I upgrade to a little van or something and you could get the boat over couldn't you yeah worst yeah. case I could call the ferry you know oh thank you so much that was just amazing i literally i need to find myself a local sound bath right now because yeah it's something i really enjoy and loved hearing more about so thank you so much oh thanks for having me i really enjoyed being here thank you so much for your time today and i really hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please like subscribe 
and maybe leave a review too. I work with women all over the world, helping them to leave the trauma of the past behind, let go of limiting beliefs, step into their power and create the futures that they desire. To find out more about me, visit my website, tappingformums.com. You can work with me one-to-one. You could join my Tapping Into Motherhood membership and community. Or you can tap along with me for free on YouTube. Just search Tapping For Mums. Hope to see you next time and have a wonderful day.